0: hey welcome to the red blue labs podcast andrew and i will be talking about what happens when companies know about vulnerabilities and they don't do anything about it
1: awesome you know lubos recently in the news um newfoundland uh, Revealed that they had a massive cyber attack that happened. Mm-hmm. Data was stolen, and they didn't they didn't reveal this to the public for for months. Right. Okay. And more news has actually come out on this topic about that the the health services, which is which is a big piece of that. I don't want to put a pin in that because I think it's we need to talk about data and certain types of data. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a security team uh, uh, a company that actually did a audit on their their health services there right that came back and said your your infrastructure is horribly vulnerable mm-hmm. and that in fact they even said to the health services that it's not it's not an if you're going to be attacked it's inevitable and I think that was the actual word in the report an attack is inevitable.
0: So before we continue, I want to ask you how big was this attack because I think I think we need to put it into perspective how much data was stolen and wh- what kind of data was stolen
1: Well, the data that was stolen was uh, the personal records of everybody mm-hmm. right and that's the entire province of of people which is a major major problem it's a huge yeah it's a huge problem and that that should be a, a massive embarrassment <laughs> for for that organization to have lost that kind of the confidentiality aspect.
0: I, I think it goes beyond embarrassment. I, I, I think you know they need it needs to go into a legal
1: challenge. I think honestly that a class action lawsuit would be justified in this case. Right. Because the amount of people that were impacted by this thing. Right? The, the government who is supposed to be in charge of their data has had a massive attack and now it's out there, right?
0: Do we know how long it was before the attack happened? Between between the time when this was flagged and the actual attack happened?
1: I'm I'm very confident that it was about three months okay. the report happened um, and nothing nothing happened. Which brings me to the, the the topic that I wanted to talk about today is that Many times uh, auditors and security professionals will do a report and they will tell the client, "Whoa, hold on a tick here. You're horribly vulnerable here, vulnerable mm-hmm. here. it's It's not a if. it is a, a matter of time here. and i've I've had that conversation with clients too, Lubosch. Mm-hmm. And I've had clients that have just chosen to sit on that information. And some people have not had it happen. But then there has been some clients that actually, yeah. it did happen. Yeah. Just like I said it would.
0: <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, three months is really not that long of a time. You know, mm-hmm. they should be, in reality, they should be acting up on it right away as soon as they see the the, the report. Yeah, But companies like, you know, governmental companies or um you know government bodies are a large ship that are really hard to steer. Mhm. So oftentimes it might be sitting on somebody's desk for a couple of months before they even touch it and that's mm-hmm. that's where the mistakes happen.
1: Which would make these these government bodies a really tasty target. Yeah. for attackers, right? Because they know that they can't move fast. And that's that you make a good point. Maybe that's a an issue that as you get bigger as an organization, it actually gets harder to act on. Mm-hmm. Some of, these, some of these findings. I mean, guaranteed those, those people that did that report had a, a list of findings and they would have been, they would have had, I can picture it now, Lubos. I can picture the, that, that standard risk matrix <laughs> picture and they would have had some, some issues, some findings that were right in the red, Yeah. right? Maybe even printed off with, with color. Yeah, yeah. But if they're lucky. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, it's it's the it's the taxpayer dollar, so yeah, <laughs> it definitely wasn't printed in color. <laughs> but I mean we don't know if they tackled those high risk things. Hopefully they did. Um, but that's that's the that's a problem. I would say in in industry. And we mentioned it in a previous podcast about risk appetite yeah and that some people they just don't have a concept of what what does this risk actually mean you the, this is the security professionals say hold on here you know if i we could shut your business down mm-hmm. for 10 hours 24 hours a week and they don't really the businesses don't really understand that concept another example very recently in the past couple of weeks of this rec- of this recording today, um, there was a that university or that college in the states that had a huge ransomware attack. Do you mm-hmm. remember this one? Yep. Yeah. And it was it was so bad <laughs> that they just shut the doors. Yep. Yeah. Which is mind boggling to me. Right. You know that it, that an organization would just say. Pfft.
0: Yeah, and business business goes out out the door, um, but also reputation goes out the door.
1: That's right, yeah.
0: So I, I think really the one of the solutions or part of the solution might be um, the autonomy of of cybersecurity professionals, right? If you have a mm-hmm. department that works with cybersecurity, should they have autonomy to, to shut the business down or do whatever needs to be done to rectify these situations?
1: Well, I, th- I think it it kinda comes down to a little bit of a having a good security process mm-hmm. in place and many companies don't have that at back all. To,
0: back to policies, right? <laughs> yeah, I know.
1: It sounds boring, but seriously we need to have we need to have that that solid process of you check you check things. Is it safe now? Okay, great. That doesn't mean it's always gonna be safe. Mm-hmm. Check it again. Check it again. Annually, weekly, whatever you're whatever you need, depending on that asset that you're trying to utilize to service your client you got to have a like a custom policy for every single one of those things
0: yeah and information when it comes to uh information about clients for the whole province, i think that's pretty big fish to justify um yeah. really well-crafted policies that mm-hmm. are responsive you know it's, it's it's not just about having those policies in place it's about responsiveness of the whole organization it's, yeah
1: when remember I at the beginning of our chat here I, I said let's put a pin in that the the type of data and now mm-hmm. we've sort of we've sort of like segued into that a bit is that that information was being stored by health services in Newfoundland mm-hmm. and it's it's their it's their private information of their their constituents the people that live there and it's it's important and here's a question for you Lubos do you think some data has more value than than other data?
0: Oh, absolutely. I, I absolutely believe so. Um, not only from ethical standpoint, but also from the legal <laughs> standpoint, um, government organizations are governed by FOIP, Freedom of Information Privacy Laws in Canada. And uh, the personal information, i information that can lead you to identification of people is at the highest priority here yeah. so so anything that could be that that is that has to do with um health records like in this case anything that mm-hmm. could identify your birth date anything that could identify you as a person th- those have the highest priority legally and in my opinion ethically
1: yeah and I, I would agree i would agree with you and i feel like if you're going to be a kind of organization organization that's going to be storing this data collecting it and doing whatever you need to do with it analytically you have a high responsibility to protect that, mm-hmm. that data and mm-hmm. the health services in newfoundland they really drop the ball yeah for people
0: so uh let's segue to ethics from the ethical standpoint, how responsible is this governmental body for this information?
1: How responsible would they be? I would say, I mean, they're they're super responsible. Is that a is that a professional <laughs> way to say it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, oh, sorry, super duper responsible. <laughs> they they have my information, right? If I lived there, they'd have my information. Just like our province, they've got all of my information. It's we're. It's a, a trust relationship, mm-hmm. and I, we don't really get a choice on that. We have, we have to go through them. I think that's a big part of it, that, that
0: we don't have a choice. You know, If, if you have a private company, mm-hmm. then you m- may have a choice between company A and company B yeah. where you entrust that information, where with governmental body, you don't.
1: You yeah, know. and who's going to get punished?
0: That's that's exactly my Who's question. Who's going to get their
1: hands slapped really hard?
0: Are they just going to turn around and say, hey, sorry, this happened, or maybe not even that?
1: Yeah, well, they hid it for a few months, right? The attack happened, and then they didn't release it to the public for a chunk of time. What were they doing? Probably scrambling, like, hokeydaina. Oh, what do we what do we do here? They probably spent more time. You know, this is just me, pers- my my opinion here, Lubos, but they probably spent more time f- trying to figure out uh how to cover their back ends
0: mm-hmm.
1: than patching it. Mm-hmm. Right. It's probably patched now because it's they spent enough hours on it, but Yeah, it's a it's an important question and it's not something that's unique to Newfoundland health services. <laughs> and that's the part that's scary.
0: Yeah. Is I, I think it comes down to human nature. Um of procrastination, perhaps bit of a uh, bit of a feeling invincible. Yeah. You know, uh, maybe thinking that nothing is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then these things happen and, and now you're scrambling. Yeah. Um, this is, as you say, this is not a first case. And when I hear about cases like this, I always think back to Chernobyl.
1: Oh yeah, in nineteen uh, eighty-six.
0: Eighty-six. Yeah, yeah. In nineteen eighty-six, where they did not announce that the accident happened until I think a couple days, three days later, or maybe even really? close to a week. Uh, no, I don't think it was a week, but you know, maybe a couple days later. Even still, it's a uh, big accident. Which is that's a you know, going back to mm-hmm. to same behavior. And that's just because it's a human nature to try to, not necessarily hide. I don't want to call it hide. Is yeah. once you realize that you are in big trouble, that 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 you messed up, then uh, you know you are cautious about releasing that information.
1: Yeah. Well, I think also a piece that is in here is that humans, by our nature, are we tend to lean towards the path of least resistance, mm-hmm. and so when we're setting up. Our environments there is a there's a temptation to say this oh sweet it works and then you step away and you don't go through those proper security channels and those proper security tests and is it actually ready for production environment maybe not right Mm -hmm. just because it works and users can connect with it doesn't necessarily mean that it's it's ready because Honest to goodness, I've been in enough situations, and I've seen users, and as these are the users for people that are listening. Users, are just regular people that are using your services, they find unique ways to get around the things that you've set up <laughs> to protect them. <laughs> yeah, right, and that's where that quality testing, that security testing, comes in. It's absolutely yeah. critical.
0: That's the blue teaming versus red teaming. Here, right? It's. Yeah. I think you mentioned it a couple of episodes before that when you are on a blue team you know you may be trying to secure something once or twice where on a red team you keep trying until you, you uh, <clears throat> until you get something
1: yeah and the, the organizations that can build a red and blue team in house mm-hmm. are they're doing something right a lot of organizations and like clients, they don't have that kind of funds to to do that. And I think that's why we're gonna we see we're seeing a rise in uh, contract red teams, yeah, which is fascinating. And I'd love to be a part of that, Luboš, <laughs> uh, because we 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 need that as well. People that can think about okay, well, how do I circumvent this yeah. before your users can. Or before your competitor can, because we we yep. we forget that the the bad actors aren't always just some gang over in a different country. Yeah. Sometimes it's literally the person selling the same product down the street.
0: Yeah. Or even internal threats.
1: That's right. 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 We forget about that one too. <laughs> it's terrible. It's it's really bad. <laughs>
0: yeah. Right? Oftentimes that's the that you know, you are the most vulnerable from the inside.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Think about firewalls, right? Once you're past the firewall past it.
0: But that's that's where um, I'm a big fan of platforms like Bugcrowd, where y- you can specify what you want to be tested on. As a, as a company, you can say, OK, mm-hmm. I, I want everyone to try and do penetration testing on, on my web platform or web application. Yeah, And there is potentially thousands of people trying it and yeah. uh, raising the flags if something is not vulnerable, Super or sorry, if, if smart, something yeah. is vulnerable. So, so I'm, a, I'm a big fan of outsourcing it this way mm-hmm. and having lots of people uh, take their stab at testing your applications. Yeah. Um, I think that many government bodies are very hesitant because of the nature of information that they store.
1: Yeah, I think you make a really good point there. You know, we got the private companies that can pay random people to do the bug crowd, bug, bug bounties, mm-hmm. which is which is genius. I agree, uh, because those people are probably, you know, they may be doing that stuff anyways. Yeah. Well, let's let's pay them money to help us fix it yeah. before it actually is a as a problem. But you make a good point. the The government has a lot of stuff they need to protect, and so how do we how do we test that? It's
0: it's like catch twenty two, right? You, That's is, yeah. You, you you can't you you can't really have working environment, you know, live environment that is, pr- and you are protecting very very important assets, and have somebody do public testing on it. Yeah, you could, but it's. It, I think companies are scared of that. Are hesitant to do that. Yeah.
1: And so maybe maybe we'll see a increase of like I said red team contracts. Yeah. And getting hired that. That would be a tangible way to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, you sign your your forms, your NDAs and your your first born and you're not you won't be able to reveal what anything.
0: Yeah. And so I can see that. Or maybe you don't do it on the live data at that point, right? You yeah. just Yeah. You uh, the database is filled up with with something else
1: yeah that would be that would be a tangible way to test it it's got all the same footprint and makeup it's just the data is whatever yeah yeah that's a good point so so today we've we've talked about um, the issue of clients and organizations having been told that you're vulnerable and that in, an attack is inevitable. And so now we've also talked about some different ways that we can uh, potentially combat that. We talked about policies, we talked about uh, red teaming, blue teaming, how those can those can help out the scenario, how the people that organizations that are collecting our data, they're, they are responsible to protect it. And if you are collecting client data, you are responsible for protecting that, the data in transit and in, uh, and rest and rest, yeah. Stay tuned. We got lots of lots of great ideas, folks, and we'll talk to you next time. Sounds good. Have a good day. Bye. Thank you. Yeah, and I think they'd have a. I think the people there would have a. What is it called when people have a joint lawsuit? We'll look it up. Insert here. (laughs) Pause. Pause.
0: It's called class action lawsuit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Andrew, how do you not know this? (laughs) <laughs> I love it past this one. <laughs>